Double A Balls Podcast with your hosts. See, now we're spitting hot fire, Andrew. Andrew Romanella. I like that. That's what I'm talking about. I'll be the best cheerleader. Father Time apparently doesn't know Tom Brady's address. And Anthony Rinaldi. Love the hardwood. That's my passion. Houston, they don't have a problem. Listen, you don't even have to listen. Now it's time for the show. You for real? I'll let this for me. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. This is the Double A Balls Podcast Friday morning dab episode number six coming your way. I'm your host, Andrew Romanella, and on the phone with me, joining me again, I missed you during the midweek, is Anthony Rinaldi. Andrew, how are you, buddy? Before we get going here, we're obviously going to remind you to follow us on social media, Instagram and Twitter. Social media blitz. Double A balls on both DAAB podcast.com, powerarmperformance.com for your apparel, as well as iTunes, Podbean, and Apple Podcasts. We have a great Friday morning dab for you. Andrew is on the road. I am sitting outside, Anthony, in. What is actually beautiful Long Island for what feels like the first time I've ever said that in my life. And I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of enjoying this remote location. You're not in sitting in the, on the LIE in traffic? Well, I'll tell you what. We spent the whole day yesterday sitting in traffic. Besides the one baseball game we played in the conference tournament yesterday, the rest of my day was spent in traffic, whether I was driving five miles or whether I was driving 45 miles. Somehow it took an hour and a half. It's just Long Island. That's, that's Long Island. You're right. You <laughs> well, there are more important topics to get to besides my schedule and traffic. So I have not gotten the chance to talk to you about this, and I know you're going to be strong and very opinionated. The New York Knicks hired David Fisdale as their head coach. Now, there were a lot of names thrown into the hat. It felt like it was a 45-man search for the new head coach of the New York Knicks. Mark Jackson being the highest name on that list. You heard a little bit about David Blatt. And then they finally fall on the shoulders of David Fisdale. Anthony Rinaldi, what is your immediate reaction? Well, first, let me just tell you, it wasn't 45 candidates, Andrew. It was only 11. (laughs) We we narrowed down the search to 11 (laughs) unlucky candidates. And, no, listen, I mean, obviously, when you get an opportunity to coach the New York Knicks, regardless of if they're good, bad, or indifferent, I'm pretty sure uh, the going census was that the Knicks didn't pick Fisdale, but Fisdale chose the Knicks. It seems that way because uh, there's quite a few job openings, and I'm sure he was uh, a top candidate for all of them. But when it comes down to it, he even said it himself. He's like, you know, you strive to, you know, everybody wants to coach in New York. And I know everyone says it's the mecca of basketball. I mean, it hasn't been the mecca of basketball, I think, since 1970. But somehow we've we've come this far. I mean, just running, just looking from 2005, Andrew, which is what 13 years ago. Yep. Knicks have had eight coaches. It's insane. I mean, th- their track re- their track record is brutal. The team is brutal. Ownership is brutal. There can't be stability there when you have that many leaders walking in and out of the door trying to instill their program, but really only getting two years to do it. And the problem is when you have these superstar athletes, people don't realize how important consistency is. I mean, think about it. To your point about the evolving door of head coaches for the New York Knicks, Chris Tapps Porzingis is now going to play for his third head coach in his three years in the league. I mean, if you're Chris Tapps, 
I get it. There's a lot you can knock on his game. There's a lot of things that he should be trying to do more. He needs to stay healthy. You, I, I understand all of those arguments, but at the end of the day, Tom Brady isn't Tom Brady without Bill Belichick. How can you expect Chris Porzingis to be anybody if he has a completely new program, offensive and defensive system, and leadership every single year? Looking, looking at the rundown here, Larry Brown, one year. Isaiah Thomas, two years. Mike D'Antoni, four years. Hey, watch out now. Mike Woodson, two years. Derek Fisher, two years. Kurt Rambis, basically half a season or a season. Jeff Hornacek. And then a defensive coordinator, whatever that is in basketball. Right. in basketball, exactly. <laughs> and they didn't even play defense. They were ranked yeah. like and they're 20, terrible. I think they were ranked 23rd or something. They had one job. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah, and asking the Knicks to play defense is like asking me to knock down a jump shot regularly. Not going to happen. Same page. And listen, I, I, I find it funny that they hired Fisdale and they gave him a four-year contract. Chances are he won't be here in two years. But to give a guy only four years, and I, I think the first two years, maybe even the third year, is going to be part of a rebuild. It has to be. Because Kristaps probably is not coming back until at least midway through next year. And depending on how the year goes, you might not even play him next year. Yeah, exactly. Keep him on the mend. Make sure he's 100% full unicorn before you bring him back because he is the only chip that New York has when it sure. comes to talent. And we could thank Phil Jackson for that because well, Donovan Mitchell and Dennis Smith Jr., either or, could have been a Nick. But, and, that, and I think that's the other part of the rebuild, to your point about it being three years, Anthony, is what draft picks do you have? Because in the NBA, you and I know just as, it's more important in any sport to have a top five pick because when talent beyond the fifth pick starts to be drafted, it starts to be a lot more question marks than generally the first five in the draft. Now, you can make the argument Donovan Mitchell is drafted by Utah in the teens. I understand that. You're going to find those players, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson. I get all of those guys. But the my, majority in the NBA is drafting the top five picks. And I, I just don't see – well, the Knicks don't have that pick this year. And I could just see them living in that eight to ten pick range for the next two or three years because they're not going to be terrible, Anthony. They're not going to be the absolute worst team in the league. Yeah, they're not going to be great. We all know that. But I, I just don't – there's going to be have to be some smart moves made in the front office via free agency and maybe some trades developing Tim Hardaway Jr., continuing to develop and get healthy Kristaps Porzingis and see what you have in-house. Um, you know, Frank Nielakina is probably not a starting point guard. Maybe he becomes a starting two in the league. He's more likely going to be the point guard on your second unit. I see him developing into like a Ricky Rubio eight years down the road, something along those lines. Um, you kind of like the, 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 the kid from the G League that came up, the point guard. Um, the, the returns on him seem to be like he could be a piece, but is he a starter? So I think those are the things you look for in the rebuild for the Knicks more so than the draft. Because, And you could tell me if I'm wrong, Ant, but I just don't feel like they're going to be that high in the draft in the next two or three years. I believe we have the ninth. We're, we're trending right now because obviously you get to pick out of a friggin' giant ball of rolling ping pong balls to see where you land. But yeah, I believe right now we're, we're yeah we're we're kind of huddled in the you know eighth or ninth slot just depending on you know rec- worst record wise. But you know what I I know we're we're going to be horrible. I, I believe as I hate to say this, but it may be beneficial for the future. But I believe we're going to be probably one of the worst teams in the NBA if KP doesn't come back next year. They have nobody. They, they literally have no cap space because they sign guys like Joakim Noah to a four-year well, contract. Even problem. Even your boy, um, what's his name? Tim Hardaway Jr. Tim Hardaway Jr. is making ungodly money for even his talent. 
So I think he could be good enough. It's just that no matter how good he becomes, he won't be good enough to be worth that money. No, he'll never live up to his contract. And he he came here, uh, I think, two years ago, two, three years ago, three or four years ago under his rookie contract. I was actually excited because his father used to destroy the Knicks on the Heat. So I said, all right. I said, we got Hardaway. He's got a good bloodline. You know, he played well for the Knicks. But then he went off to Atlanta, and I was like, all right, whatever. You know, let, let Atlanta deal with him. He's, he's a pretty good shooter. He can get to the hole. I said, but he's not, you know, he's not going to be he'll, – he'll be a good NBA player, but he's not going to be a superstar. Yeah, I look at him like Nick Young for the Golden State Warriors right now. Another so, version of that. Yeah, swaggy P. A little swaggy P action. Yeah, man. Did you hear Fizdale was calling Lance Thomas his dream on green? Yeah, That's you know what? So – I'm glad you. I'm glad you just said that because I read a quote before, and you mentioned the defense before, and talking about you know kind of the identity of this New York Knicks team and what David Fisdale wants to do. So this was the quote he had, and this is part of the reason why I think he's a great hire because one, I, I think he's he's a young enough coach that you could literally look at this situation and say if this is done correctly, you could see the next Greg Popovich in the NBA because he is young enough. Two, he's a Mike Woodson disciple. Because Mike Woodson is the last guy to bring the Knicks to the playoffs and win a playoff series. He understands how to handle the New York Knicks and how to handle the media. So that's, a, that's a, his mentor. And lastly, because of this, and this is what David Fisdale said the other day on his style of play for the New York Knicks. I want to establish a top-ranked defense, a fast defense, a disruptive defense, a versatile defense, a loud defense, one that sparks offense and gets us, gets us into the open court. And once we do have to settle in on offense, that is, play a really free-flowing, open-space offense that everybody gets involved in sharing the basketball. You have to love hearing that. Oh, please, NBA, sharing the basketball? You don't see that very often unless you're the you know, Golden State Warriors, if you're Houston, or if you're, I think, San Antonio. I feel like those three teams epitomize the, the word, you know, ball movement. But more so than that, it's the fact that he said the word defense five times in the first sentence of that statement in every different adjective you could possibly think of. Top-ranked, fast, disruptive, versatile, loud, sparks offense. That is today's NBA. And what I feel like is the Knicks have been stuck in 2011, 2012-style of the NBA, and they haven't found a way to catch up to the new era of basketball, which is it's going to be a track meet. You need 10, 11 guys deep that all can hit a three-pointer, that all can run up and down the floor. More times than not, if you don't have a very solid, small lineup to throw on the floor for a given 12 to 15 minutes in an NBA ball game, that could be the 12 to 15 minutes you lose the game with the amount of high-volume threes and athletes that are in the NBA right now. Yeah, and Going back to the hire, the original hire, David Fisdale, because like you said, you know, a lot, I know a lot of people were, were clamoring for the, the homegrown Mike, Mark Jackson. Even uh, I know David Blatt was getting serious consideration. And, you know, frankly, I think either, either one of those candidates would have been good. Um, I'm excited to see Fisdale because, like you said, he's, I think he's 43, so he's young. He's definitely a player's coach. He's got a, he's, he's, he had a great track record in Atlanta with Mike Woodson. He was under the tutelage of Eric Spolster down in Miami where he won two championships. And then he kind of got a raw deal out in Memphis where he turned right. them around. And, and they it really to a 43 and 39 squad. Yeah. And, and, and messed up that they fired him after seven and 12. And because 
supposedly Mark Gasol and him didn't really see eye to eye. Either way, I agree with you, Anthony. I thought he did a fantastic job in Memphis. And here's a I, – I don't think Knicks did this just because he's friendly with LeBron, but obviously he's the prize free agent piece. And the fact that at least one of our – the people we have in our, in our front office at least has a relationship with the guy – because he's he's been he's been on the record as saying that Madison Square Garden is his favorite arena to play in, but he never played here because of the I guess the ownership and or Phil Jackson being here. Well, thank God he's gone. But quickly, LeBron, I'm going to paraphrase a quote that he did after Fisdale got fired back in Memphis. He goes, "I know what he stands for, and he don't stand for no. Maybe that was it. But because he ain't going to kiss no one's ass, he got fired. So you could tell LeBron was a little peeved." when Fisdale lost his job and he believes because he's actually a no nonsense coach and that most players don't kind of like that, that mentality and, and are going to shy away from that. You can see why the Memphis Grizzlies chose to go with their superstar Grisol over their young coach in, uh, in Fisdale. Aren't those comments and what happened to David Fisdale this year during his firing part of the reasons why so many people believe LeBron might think about coming to the Knicks this off season? I, 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 Andrew, from your lips to God's ears, brother, but we know he ain't coming to New York. He'll come to New York when he's like 39 and basically on his last leg. And I, and I agree, I agree with that just for, what do you think? Like a farewell tour? And exactly, <laughs> exactly. Whenever he, like whenever he hangs it up or he's ready to hang it up. Cause I, you know, back in my mind, I think he wants to play with his son. I think his son is 13 to 14 years old. And I think he's really he really wants to be in the NBA when his son makes it there, so he can play with his with his son, kind of go Ken Griffey Senior Junior style in, in baseball there. Which I would mean, be, that that would be something to be beholden. A thirty nine year old LeBron still playing the way he's playing now. And I does it surprise you? Because it doesn't surprise me. The, no, the first, first time you, the minute you said that statement, I'm saying to myself, he's probably a hundred percent right. I mean, he's, he's thirty. He's in his thirteenth, fifteenth season, and he's. He's averaging, what, almost a triple-double? Yeah. He played all 82 games. And going into the Celtics series, at 33 years old, like you said, 15 years into the league, LeBron James' career playoff minutes, right, 9,582. The entire Celtics roster combined, 8,015 playoff minutes. Think about that. Well, as we're not the segue or spoil the, the dad, but I know we, yeah. we want to discuss kind of a, a who's who of NBA players. You know, yes. who's, the, who's the best? All right, so let me tee it up for you, Anthony. Because I, I, I had a quick little nugget for you as well with those numbers. I just want to throw at you. Oh, throw it out there, then I'm going to tee it up for you like we're on the, like we're on the 16th hole at TPC Sawgrass. Um, dunk, I'm, you mean 17. I'm going to dunk one right in the water. <laughs> 137, either pitching wedge or nine iron. I ain't coming nowhere near that green, Andrew. Uh, that's a good point. I might have to hit a driver just so that if I hit the water, I clear the green first. Exactly. Put it in the water. <laughs> but quickly going back to the playoff comparison between LeBron and MJ, since you know, those seem to be the two magical people in the NBA. Both, have play, both played 15 seasons. LeBron has played 71 more regular season games and 49 more playoff games than Michael Jordan. Just let that sink in real quick. That's unbelievable to think about. But the one thing Michael Jordan has on LeBron James is Michael Jordan has played about 150 more baseball games at the professional level than LeBron James ever will. Listen, watch <laughs> out. 
I'm not sure if you saw this, Andrew, but down in Philadelphia. The Iron Pigs, I did see that. Tell the, triple a, the AAA squad is calling out that, they're, that they want to pick up LeBron. If you didn't get a chance to see the, the billboard that they put up and then the tweet that they sent out, go check out the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs Twitter. It is hilarious. They said essentially that if LeBron James wants to become Michael Jordan, the next thing he has to do is play a year of minor league baseball and the, the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs might as well be the place to do it. So you said it was a segue. I said I'd tee it up for you. Anthony, when I was missing you in the midweek show because you were on assignment bringing great quality information back to the show, as you always do, okay, I started a little bit of a debate on the fact that we can't keep getting mad at LeBron James for his greatness. He 1,000% deserves to be compared to Michael Jordan based off of everything he's done in his career, how much he's still doing in his career, and the fact that championships really can't be brought into the argument unless you are the type of person that believes championships are what rides the argument. So I ask you the question. I, I pretty much know where you're going to fall, but I just want you to give me your opinion on both sides of the debate because LeBron versus MJ is such a fun debate, and so many people are just so quick to go to MJ, and I agree. I still believe it is MJ, but at the end of the day, just sitting and watching LeBron James right now, looking at his numbers, learning all the things he's done in his career, to see how he's still getting better at 33 years old, 15 years in, it is so hard to argue against people saying LeBron James is the greatest player in the world. I grew up appreciating, no, scratch that, hating Michael Jordan. <laughs> I mean, my early 90s, it's just, you know, they say, you know, Patrick Ewing should have won a few rings, but he, he ran into the error of Michael Jordan. And I guess you could say the same thing about, you know, the, the guys who are playing with LeBron now because he always seems to go to the finals. But it's, it's an interesting comparison, LeBron and Michael, because they, they, I mean, when it comes down to it, they probably are 1A and 1A in, in the pantheon of basketball. You could throw in Jabbar, Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell. I mean, you could throw them all in there. I mean, if you're really going to debate who's the best, I mean, you're really going to argue over numbers when it comes down to it. I, you know, I, I, I never thought LeBron, anybody would ever catch Michael because like, when I was growing up, I was young. I was maybe like in my teens. I didn't appreciate basketball for what it was worth. And I don't understand the history of it like I do now. And I, I let me tell you, I have a great appreciation for watching LeBron James play the game of basketball because he plays it right. He's a 6'8", athletic, fast, freak of a big man that the NBA has really, honestly, uh, it seems to be going in that direction of a player. But, I mean, there was nobody back in, I don't think, Jordan's era with the build that, that, that LeBron has and his skill, skill level. I think that's what is crazy about the situation is LeBron James could legitimately play all four major sports and probably be successful. He'd probably that's be a, a number one draft pick in every, every sport. Right, 100%. Minus, that's hockey. Minus hockey. Let's be real here. Well, that's true. I mean, I would, I would go as far as to say this, though. If, I, if you put a pair of skates in his hand at five years old, I bet you he'd be, he'd be Zidane Ochara. In the he's, like, he's, like, he's like Zidane Ochara with muscles. 100%. So, and, and you're 100% right. And that's why it's so hard to compare generations. But my brother made a good point, and I waited to bring it up to you on the show. My brother said, the difference between LeBron and Michael is that Scottie Pippen never left Michael. LeBron struggles because he has never had a consistent supported player. It's always only been 
LeBron. That is why, if you look at the Golden State Warriors, they are so dominant right now and most likely the favorite because you look at how many great players they have staying together, wanting to play together. You look at Michael, you look at the core of Scottie Pippen, always with him throughout the best parts of his career. You look at Mike, you look at LeBron James, excuse me, and he couldn't even hold on to Kyrie Irving. And it seems like it's been a revolving door of quote unquote sidekicks, which also included Shaq at the end of his career. I mean, yeah, I, I have to agree with that. Both guys were playing with uh, Hall of Famers on their side. LeBron, obviously, you could tell like, back in 07, the team he's doing it with now, these guys aren't, you know, your perennial powerhouses. But if you look at it, I mean, he did go to Miami with Wade, Ray Allen, and Chris Bosh. Those are all three Hall of Famers. He won two yes. championships in Miami. He obviously won the one in Cleveland. I think at this point, it's just for him to compile championships to, to be in the same Converse, uh, as an air quote conversation. As- I think about this, though, to your point about the Miami Heat. He went to Miami for four years to be with Bosch and Dwayne Wade and won two championships, right? Yeah. Those were his, like we said, those were Dwayne Wade or Chris Bosch, whatever way you want to put it, was his Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman, let's say. Correct. Okay? Yep. That, that, that's for LeBron James. But how long did Dennis Rodman – Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan, more specifically Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan, play together. All six championships. All six, yeah. Right. So the point is, is does the, the narrative change for LeBron compared to Michael? Because LeBron is actually the definition of having to do it by himself compared to Michael Jordan, who, yes, without Michael Jordan, you don't win any of those championships. He is the catalyst to those championships. But if you do pull Scottie Pippen away – do the Bulls only win three championships, maybe instead of six? Therefore, changing the legacy of Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan changed his legacy when he decided to go play baseball. But that's a good point too. Uh, <laughs> back number forty-five. Back what was 45. that? Yeah, just ask the Chicago White Sox how his baseball career ended. No, um, it's obviously batting average. <laughs> yeah, uh, this this is a great debate because obviously these guys will never play in a, a game against each other. They'll never be in the same. You know, they're, they're two different eras of basketball. I, I would want to see LeBron James drive in the lane against uh, 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 Charles Oakley and, uh, rest in peace, Anthony Mason, and, and take a clothesline to the neck and not get a foul call and see how, how much he complains. Cause, 100%. Because he does happen to complain on every time he goes to the hole. He's always, always bitching for a foul call. And it seems like the NBA, this, you know, this era of basketball is every little, little contact gets the whistle. Whereas, That's a big knock on him. It was back in the day when you're playing, you know, the Jordan rules. You literally could hand check. You could punch a guy in the face. You could throw an elbow at, at there, and you're not getting a foul call unless, unless blood hit the floor. Hardcore basketball. But I actually have a different. I, I think we should. I think we should almost categorize James and Jordan and put them in two different categories, because I have a. I have. I have four guys. I call them game changers, and that's ahead of my class is obviously LeBron James. There's Magic Johnson, Shaquille O'Neal, and Wilt Chamberlain. Those four games. Those four dudes dramatically change the game of basketball. Very true. And then I have, uh, I have like basically like score slash killer mentality. And that's your Jordans. That's your Kobe. That's like your Jerry West, your Isaiah Thomas, your Steph Curry's. That's that kind of player. Because I feel like LeBron and Michael are completely different types of players. Oh, 100%. Like Michael wouldn't go and bring, I mean, he'd bring the ball up if he had to, but that wasn't his role. He no. come, Michael Jordan was your killer. He was your scorer. Michael Jordan was, give me the ball, I'm open. 
and you'd be like, dude, you're double covered. He'd be like, I don't care. I'm open. Give me the ball. Whereas yeah. you see LeBron James passing the ball off to Ray Allen in the corner, and he buries that three. If Ray Allen never makes that three, LeBron James is 2-9 and nine in the playoffs. I mean, yeah. in, the, in, the, in the championships. So I, I agree. Is that 2-6, and six, you mean? I, I agree with no, that. Isn't he 3 for 8? Or 3 for 7, sorry. What is it? I don't, whatever, whatever his record is. He's got three of them. He's been to 8 total or 9 total? I think it's 8 total. I think this will be the ninth one if he wins. So this will be the ninth one. Well, I guess – that automatically means you believe that they're going to go ahead and beat the Celtics. But and Tom, my bananas rest on number 23 shoulders. I got four games from the Seas to hopefully get me my bananas back in check because I'm starting to get a little nervous. But to finish the conversation, because as they say in the business, we are up against the clock here on our Friday morning dab. But you're right about categorizing those guys because it, Every era of any sport, but specifically basketball, I feel like was so ridiculously different. The way it's called, the way it's played, the physicality of the game, the, the, the importance of a three-pointer, never having a three-point line back in the day. The, this, everything has changed so dramatically. But to your point, those three or four guys you mentioned were, were, were game-changing players. And to me, and we've had this conversation before, if you want to be an all-time great, you have to change the game. You have to affect the game in some type of way. If you want to be a superstar in my mind, you have to make me think about specific times that you were literally the greatest player in this game and there was no question about it, even if it was for one year, because a superstar doesn't become a superstar by being the greatest, the, the, the top 15 player in the league. He's a top three player in the league almost every single year. And when he's not, he's still a top five, top 10 player in the league, but you know how much he's affecting his team. That, to me, and that all comes with changing the game. Like, I think when it's all said and done, Ant, I think we're going to look back and say Steph Curry was a legendary player because even though the three-pointer and the volume of three-pointers shot and made and attempted in the NBA had started to go up prior to Steph Curry becoming a member of the Golden State Warriors and being drafted, at the end of the day, Steph Curry has legitimately changed the game of basketball and legitimately changed the way seven, eight, nine-year-old kids want to grow up playing the game of basketball. One pick away were my New York Knickerbockers. God damn it. 2009 is going to burn me. David Fisdale is going to be the guy to change that. So we did not get a chance to talk about it on today's Friday morning, Dad, but we will touch on it on our midweek show coming up this week, episode eight of the Double A Balls podcast. But you have the Cavaliers, Cavaliers, excuse me, squaring off against the Boston Celtics. That series starts on Sunday. And then you have the Golden State Warriors teeing off against the Houston Rockets. That series starts on Monday. And just to throw a little bit of a tidbit in there, this is the first time the Golden State Warriors have not been or have not had home court advantage in the playoffs since round one of 2014, right before they became the Golden State Warriors we know today. So something to look forward to this midweek podcast. Anthony Rinaldi, I'm very happy to have you back. I missed you. I love you. And I'm just happy you're in the co-host seat with me again. Listen, I appreciate you filling in. As I said, I was on assignment. I was down in Nashville, beer bong and a beer out of a catfish. Didn't work out for the Predators. Did not work out for my Predators. Uh, They're going home. Glad to be back. Can't wait for the the midweek show. We got a lot of basketball, as usual, to talk about. 
How about my Yankees? They finally lost. Didn't think that was going to happen again this year. But it was a tough loss. I Either way. I thought we were coming back. I, I, it was 4-4. I'm like, oh, we're coming back. I'm like, Boston's got to be shaking right now. I saw it coming. But then, of course, you listen, you can't, it's not going to win them all. But we got to talk about that hot baseball in New York because the Mets, buddy, I don't know what's happening. How do you have a lineup card malfunction? How, Four more days, please. It's how, still too hard. <laughs> how does, Andrew, as a coach of baseball, how does that make you feel when your team screws up the lineup card? It makes me really sad because it's simply this. The lineup card in the dugout is printed. The lineup card that's handed to the umpires is handwritten. The one that was handwritten by Mickey Calloway, whoever he gave that third copy to, to print out and hang up in the dugout was not appropriately copied. And that is most likely the reason why that happened. And that makes me really sad because in my opinion, Ian, if I'm the manager of the New York Mets, if I'm anybody in the New York Mets and that's my job, that 100% never happened. So who knows? Maybe I'll get a promotion there you going go. into next year. Put, put in the resume. I put mine in for the next yeah, head coaching job, but I guess I, I guess I didn't get it. One of 45 interviews you did not get, of course. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Social media blitz. At double A balls on both DAABpodcast.com. Subscribe, rate, iTunes, Podbean, Apple Podcast, and of course, PowerArmPerformance.com for your gear, for your apparel. My name is Andrew Romanella. That is my co-host, Anthony Rinaldi. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Enjoy your weekend, everyone. We are the Double A Balls Podcast. This is the Friday Morning Dab, and we are out. The podcast you just heard was recorded with Anchor. If you want to make your own, download the Android or iOS app completely free from anchor.fm slash podcast. That's anchor.fm slash podcast.